Hello, and welcome to Miss D's Lunacy. Today, I have with me an amazing guest. And all I could say about her is she's a tall glass of champagne that delivers bubbles to a party. She's a fantasy maker and makes your dreams come true in the utter perfection with her infectious smile, impeccable taste. She brings the party to the party, and she will tell you all about it. And I now introduce to you, Pollyone. Thank you. That was a fabulous introduction, Miss D. Thank you for having me. I always feel like a bunch of bubbles near you because you always get me all excited. So thank you. That was a very, very nice introduction. I appreciate it. It's absolutely true in every sense of the word. Now, my audience and my listeners have to understand the beginning of how you became a party planner. Well, you know, we have talked about that, you and I, and I thought a funny story would be to tell was when I was about seven or eight years old, I wanted to give my mother a surprise birthday party. And I went to her address book, which if you remember in those days, had the little tabs A through Z. And I picked up the phone and every single number and every single person in her address book I dialed. And I invited them for a party for my mother's birthday. I think I said 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock. I obviously knew the date. And I called everybody from the mechanic to the dry cleaner to the butcher to, you know, the double days to, you know, everybody. And I think that somebody obviously called mom and said, you know, your daughter has been calling, I don't know who, but called us and invited us to a surprise birthday party. So my mother came in and she said, well, darling, are you, I'm sorry to ruin the surprise, but, you know, have you invited some people to a surprise birthday party? And I said, oh, yes, mommy, the whole address book. And they all said they could come. And she said, well, wait a minute. Did you, you dialed every single number? And I said, yes. <laughs> so she ended Clever up. Girl. She, you know, the parents that they were, they called Eddie the bartender and they called the car parkers. And I think the car parkers had already been invited. And Eddie had probably already been invited too because they were in the address book. So they all came and, and we had a big party. So that was, I think, the beginnings of, you know, wanting to have a party or wanting to give a party. And so I came at a very early age, obviously. Well, the thing is that you had the wherewithal to figure it out. At eight. So of course, this was already in your DNA, I hate to tell you. So you continued with this idea because you are amazing. And then you continued when you were in college. I think you went to Lake Forest, yes? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, growing up on Long Island, I was always influenced by you know, those beautiful, beautiful debutante parties. I mean, you went to them, I went to them, and, you know, I still have visions of driving up those long, glorious driveways, you know, in the beginning of the summer. Yeah, they were usually, the deb parties were in the beginning of the summer, and, you know, it was really the true essence, or maybe the end. I mean, obviously, it wasn't, you know, kind of the Gatsby-esque, but to me, it was. You know, you'd go down these huge driveways, and, and, and there'd be these, you know, endless amounts of, you know, tents at, let's say, the Phipps coming out party, or the this coming out party, et cetera. Island or and I, there was just something that I mean my jaw would just drop or you know that feeling of excitement going to those parties and and then the things that happened at those parties I mean for instance of course our generation loved Lester Lennon and you know with the hats and remember that all the great hats and Lester oh, Lennon it was wonderful and and you and I would go and they'd and then in those days 
I think we were the drinking age was a different you know it was 18 or whatever it was we were it was a different drinking nobody age. cared so and nobody cared so and then to help you with your maybe buzz and to get you a little bit more sober they roll out the breakfast with the omelets the homemade omelets and the beautiful breakfasts that would come out at 3 a.m. you know you'd have this glorious dinner and then you would dance 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 and then the breakfasts would come out and I don't, there was just something so magical about those days and I think that always was with me and then my parents were wonderful entertainers my mother was a great cook and you know they had a certain way of entertaining my parents they weren't pretentious about it and it wasn't the fanciest house or the the most stuff I mean my mother was from the south she was an amazing cook you know it might be leg of lamb and cheese grits or but she had this wonderful way of cooking you know the southerners just love to entertain I mean as we well know and it's called a flair which you have obviously gotten it you did not fall far from the tree no I, I just I absolutely loved it and mom would hire me and a friend at the end of her dinner parties to clean and mom said there would just never be you know one every dish had been put away every plate had been put away you know every crumb off the counter so I was I was a good kind of you know pre and I was also a good post you know so cleaning it up and so I just always loved it from the very beginning. And you were in training. For sure. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's how, obviously, in college, when you bring up Lake Forest College, I got my nickname Polly Planna Party because in college, I just, you know, I arrived in college, and within a week I had, I think, a bar set up on my window. So, I mean, it was, <laughs> I don't think I was really thinking about studying too much, but more about who I was going to invite to my first party there, so... Yeah. And it worked out because you all of a sudden became a classic name at school and everybody said, we want to go to Pollyone's party. Well, I did. I, I really enjoyed giving parties in college. I, I think probably, as my father would say, I enjoyed it too much uh, because I think after two years, he didn't know how many parties I had really hosted or helped host with friends who I would convince to do something. You know, in the basement, we'd truck in mounds of sand and have a Tahiti party, and then we'd all get in trouble because all the sand showed up, and we had to make explanations and, you know, get the sand out. And And I was was getting myself into a little trouble at college, college, just giving these parties. And then Dad said, you know, you're out of here. You have to go to Catherine Gibbs Secretarial School in Boston because you're just going to have to learn a thing or two about, you know, organizing and really learning how to type and getting some skills under your belt besides just having fun and partying at college. But that was like the thing to do. That's what I did. I was the queen. My friend Julian Koenig was the king. We did nothing but these black tie parties. It was the end of El Morocco and everything else. And so back in the day, we were sort of, I was running around wearing makeup, going to modeling shoots in Bermuda. My friends were all in awe as they were running around going, I don't know what they were doing, having keg parties. I'm going, I don't drink beer, darling. I go to I go to Trader Vic's. And so my friends were all much older than I was because I was multilingual and I was European and I didn't do anything. I didn't walk around in overalls, for God's sakes. And so the same thing with you. And I had this sense of glamour and of how to throw a party. And what was amazing was that uh, we had the Lake Charles, you know, the head of the, the Charles. Head of the Charles. That was a fabulous and there weekend. There was a fabulous parties, and I would use the boathouse. And with my friend Peter Alcock, he was absolutely wonderful. He's my best friend. He was a big party planner. We did everything together with his roommate. And we had like 300 people every weekend. And people were like, you're so amazing. And it was just, it was flawless, flawless, fun. And nobody knew how to throw a party. Well, it was interesting that you bring up Boston because having gone to Catherine Gibbs there for a year, you know, Boston's parties were... 
Notorious. There were tons of them, but they were very traditional. And then you came to New York City, and you were going at that age to 54. And what was going on in New York and what was going on in Boston were completely, it was just two different worlds completely. I mean, the parties in Boston were, you know, more the Harvard or the this or the that. And you put on a beautiful dress and much more conservative. And then you come down to New York for the weekend and it was just, you know, it was, you were in the prime of the 1980s or whatever, you know, that generate kind of craziness going on outside of the clubs. So you had two, two totally different feelings, I think, of entertaining really actually than what was going on, you know, as far as culture too. And I've had so much interviews about people talking about the 70s and the 80s because after the Vietnam War, people were so depressed. There was such a calamity of sorrow and sadness for all the people that had died in Vietnam for absolutely no reason. And there was this complete change that we've got to become happy again. And the whole world changed with mini skirts, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, the disco... I mean, the Macarena, I mean, all these crazy things, the limelight, all of these crazy nightclubs, Club A, and things went into a completely different direction, and people were all together and doing something completely different. It was actually an era in which there was so much freedom because there had been so much sorrow before. And in Boston, of course, it's very preppy because Boston right. is a very, very proper, exactly. all sorts of old backgrounds. Right. And so it was a great way to feel safe. And which I think as you're growing up, especially in your 20s, it was a wonderful place to feel safe. Men were well-dressed. People were still wearing black tie. There was always a courteous kind of behavior. Roses were being delivered to your room. Right. From whom? We don't know. But right. <laughs> Somebody said, I love you. And But it was well, such... Cra- it was nice to have the mix. It was... I, I, I loved coming to New York and going to all those clubs and seeing all that craziness. It was just amazing. But it was also nice to be in Boston and, as you said, have the black tie, more conservative feeling. I mean, a, a great mix also for me and, you know, bringing me forward into what I ended up doing obviously these parties it really helped I think to see it all to just give you that full circle of all these different feelings and influences and then obviously after Boston I lived in Australia for a year I moved to Australia and there again I I felt as if I'd been you know dropped in this place where parties were just such a focus they were the most amazing entertainers in Australia. I mean, lucky for me to be there for a year. And the food and the way they used to entertain. I mean, no one in Australia, everybody had parties at their house all the time, you know, whether it was a small house, a large house, you know, a a single girl that would have a dinner, she'd get off work at five, and I don't know how they'd whip it together, but by 7.30, there'd be the most amazing food dinner you've ever been to. Great drinking, port after dinner, great wines. So Australia, and then, you know, going out to the outback in Australia and going to these amazing properties in the outback and the way they would entertain there. I mean, that was just incredible, you know, where they'd have the lamb from the, you know, that they'd just gotten out of the field. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And Australia had such great food and they were such wonderful hosts that I think that was another really wonderful influence for me. So Katie Gibbs was very helpful in organizing for you. Yeah, I mean, that was, let's, you know, I obviously had, you know, had so much fun in college and 
Katie Gibbs. Granted, Sounds like Duba. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Katie Gibbs. Granted, I did not like it, uh, and it was a chore for sure, a years-long chore. But you know, I did get all that detail and you know, crossing your eyes and or actually dotting your eyes, crossing your t's. You know, you get all that and and all that computer. I mean, so much of giving parties, I feel, is you know, knowing how to work Excel. All these incredibly complicated programs and you know when you do seating for three to five hundred people you have got to be so buttoned up so i did get all those very very important skills at katherine gibbs that you you that take you forward when you're doing parties that you just have to know you have to know it because it is it's just non-stop you know computer you know detail oriented tasks in order to get it right but you really had all the tools at your disposal which is incredible so after Australia, after Katie Gibbs, after Lake Forest, where you put sand everywhere, I'm surprised you didn't get kicked out. I know. Uh, you are so clever and so full of imagination, Polly. I just love it. I mean, I never even thought of doing something so naughty. And uh, I, I actually tried to behave, believe it or not, which <laughs> were surprising because people said, weren't you kind of nutty? In your... And I said, no, 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 no. I was such a good girl. That's why I went to all girls' colleges. I figured I can't get into trouble there. So now you end up in New York and you go Esprit, yes? Well, I, it was funny because when I got back from Australia, of course, as I told you, I was obsessed with everything Australian. And I was gravitating towards their fashions. And I had uh, walked into Esprit to visit a friend of mine here in New York and was trying to pitch to her this idea of bringing in Australian fashions into New York. And her boss, who was head of the shoe division, had been sort of eavesdropping on our conversation. And I guess I walked out and he said, who is that girl? I want to hire her. She's amazing. And so I ended Super up, cool. because I had just gotten back from Australia, and now instead of doing my Australian dream of importing business and contacting Olivia Newton-John, I don't know, I had something in my head. I was definitely an entrepreneur at that point. Esprit offered me this job and I took it. And I, and I enjoyed working there and that was great. And I got around and did some fun things with them. But that kind of took its course and... I was then asked by Ludovic Aute, and you remember the Junior International Club in New York. I mean, that was I famous. I was one of the original founders with Ludovic and Marc Gautobiron. And it was for all the Europeans and the expats that had come with their green cards that were all about our age. And they were all Germans and Italians and French. And it, it was a wonderful group of people who were all trying to get together. We all find each other, you know? Right. And so he started all this, and so he found you, or you found him. And now... Well, and I worked for the JIC, and I, I, if you remember, Ludovic Gauté yes. ended up going to work for Harry Winston. And the JIC, for anybody listening that didn't know, was just an amazing time in New York again because they would host these parties at all these different clubs in New York. I mean, whether it was back in the old days, it was uh, Maxine, Regines, Maxime's, all these really fun clubs. Obar, there were tons and tons of clubs, and they would host parties at these clubs. And it was for a mix of a lot of the Europeans, the professional young Europeans that were working here, and the Americans. And it was a chance for everybody to get to know one another. And they were usually very elegant parties and very fun. And so I... It was just fate, I guess, that Ludovic, after 
Esprit said, come help me out. And there I was back in my Polly Plana party mode. I mean, how did that happen? You know, it was just fate. It really was. And I What's just, meant to be is meant to be. I loved it. I loved it. And it was funny because when you and I were talking about doing this interview, I went back and read some of the press that I had had over the years. And I said in one of the articles, oh, Ludovic taught me everything I knew. Well, you know, Ludovic was, even though I'd gone to Catherine Gibbs and I'd gotten all this kind of, you know exacting detail into my, you know, repertoire, Ludovic was very serious about how you plan a party. I mean, he gave me some amazing clients after the Junior International Club. He hand-fed me some amazing clients, but, you know, God forbid you spell somebody's name wrong on a place card or or you spell somebody's name wrong on an escort card or you place them wrong at a table. So I, he taught me how it is so important, all these little details. And, you know, of course, you're dealing with the creme de la creme of New York, and you cannot put somebody in a bad seat if you know they're not, you know, that type of a person. So he taught me so much. And that was really the start of, you know, Ludovic was a bit of my mentor at that point, teaching me about how to do these parties and teaching me about seating. I mean, my God, I never knew, you know, what it would take to seat 300 people and do it properly and make sure that you have it all right. So I really, I do consider him to have been a huge influence on, obviously, and it was my first job is doing parties. So. And I miss him so much because he was such a dear friend. We had so much, his son was divine. He was a dear friend of mine. And Cedric. I used, Cedric. And I haven't heard from him in years, and no. I hope if he's listening, we miss you, we love you. He yeah. was such an angel. And he was so proud of his son. And I used to go to the regime parties all the time. And at the time, I was doing jewelry, and I hate to interrupt with you, my story. And I, would, I was in the jewelry business, so I would bring five pairs of earrings with little price tags into my pocket, and I would wear one, and I would go to my table of all my friends because we'd organize all this prior to the parties, and we even had Michael D- Douglas's wife who came, and we had uh, Yana Avis dance the Macarena. Right, we had right. shows. We had, I mean, it was tremendous fun, and it was inexpensive at the time, and it was on Park Avenue, and it was such a blast. I think they were every Thursday night, and I would show up at the table, and I'd go, "Hello, darlings, how are you? Everything's right. great." And then people would go, "I love your earrings," and I'd pull out a little mirror, and I had a little napkin from the from regimes, and I'd say, oh, darling, they look so good on you. I'll send you a bill. You keep the, the, the earrings. And I'd write down who I sold them to, and then I'd go to the next table. And it was, and I would sell, like, six pairs of earrings in one night, just talking to all my friends. And they go, there she is. We're having fun now. She's here. She's here. We're having fun. It was one of the most special days between Club A, Studio 54, regimes, and every other place in the world. It was our little haven, and we were never scared of being hurt by anybody. We were always escorted by the best of friends, and we sort of ran the social diary of New York. Yeah, it was. Remember the, remember the parties where they would do the um, Towers of Champagne? where they yes. would take all the champagne glasses yes. and there would be many at the bottom and then they'd do the tower tower and then they'd start pouring from the top so it was a fountain. Oh, it's I, I have pictures. I actually have um, all the memorabilia from the Junior International Club. I have all the old invitations. I have all the old photos. I Oh, yes, in a storage. I have it all. So I am I, so I don't, jealous because I, I miss some of that memories, and I don't have them myself, I, unfortunately. I wish I knew what I could. I would love to, you know, get somebody like Patrick McMullen to do a book with some of those photos, you know, all the JIC photos, do maybe a little mini book or something with them because it was such a special time, and it's so much fun to go back and look at all those pictures. Well, since you're good at everything, 
everything, I think you can be able to find somebody I, to do that. I because can ask Patrick. Those are really sort of our, our days of glory, where we were invincible and we had the best time in the world. So now we've become a very, very serious party planner because now you have joined. Well, I was, I was, on, I was starting. I was starting. I, I got yeah, a lot. But you of, keep getting better. I got darling. a lot of coaching from Ludovic, and I, I, I was starting. I mean, I think, Dion, I'm not kidding. And the, I think when I was doing those parties, there was no, there was no, uh, computers. No kidding. I don't think there were computers. I really. I don't. wrote everything by hand. So, so we, by the time I got to Gus Ober, we. I, at that point, Gus Ober was very well known in New York. I mean, he was a PR guy that was doing PR for all these people in New York. I mean, the, remember the Wathney sisters? He did PR for them. He did PR for Casa de Campo. He did PR for all. I mean, I, there's, I could go on and on. Restaurants, jewelers. Um, and, you know, it was interesting because Gus, we got our first computers there. You know, and we wow. learned how to make databases, you know, where you would put all the names in with their addresses and then what parties that, you know, did they go to a benefit? Did they do this? And th that was sort of the beginning of parties and computers and organizing a guest list from A to Z or, you know, just things you just can't even that didn't even exist before. I mean, I remember Sheila in Gus Ober's office. She used to put everybody's name on index cards so that she could alphabetize it. So well, we had roller dexes. Yeah. I would flip those things all the time. I mean, there was nothing that database you could put anything no. on. No. So this was the beginning. And, Correct. of course, you know, you can imagine, you know, these computer programmers coming in. We'd say, well, we want this. We want it to be able to do this. And we're doing seating. I mean, this just did not exist. No. It did not exist. So that was interesting because I had these men come in that were computer programmers trying to code party things for me. Good Lord. So that was that was kind of interesting. Before Excel, I think, you know, and then we, we kind of got into Excel, which is wonderful. The, you know, the program Excel, which can yes. sort things every which way and total things every which way so but I started with Gus and Gus was um, really primarily public relations and then you know I said well look we can be doing parties for all these different types of clients and I we had now private parties for clients that Ludovic gave me we had all these benefits that wanted PR so I said to Gus you know let's do these big parties with these benefits and then we can get press um, and then I started just getting into, besides doing all the corporate events, and the corporate events at those times, we talked about how extravagant the corporate events were back then. I mean, you know, Casa de Campo would say, oh, fly down, you know, all 20 press and 20 guests and bring down 40 people for five days. And, you know, we'll, we'll do these wonderful activities for them and, 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 and entertain everybody. And then the press would write about it. And then the people also that would come would talk about it or maybe buy a villa or... So, you know, in those days, you know, restaurants would have, you know, tables and tables of people come complimentary because they wanted their name to get out there um, or jewelers would have parties. So, you know, I think in those days, corporate, corporate entertaining was, was quite huge. something. I mean, there were 300 to 500 people that were saying, well, we're going to go to the breakers. We're taking you and your wives for a four day weekend of golf and this and that. It was extraordinary. The budget that those banks those corporations had oh, yes. was enormous. Yeah. And unfortunately, it is no longer no. because there was some fuddy-duddy things going on. Right, but right. The thing was is that these corporate parties for so many companies, I mean, some of the corporate things that you did was amazing. Well, first of all, you did Chanel, Erez, 
Emmanuel Ungaro, Van Cleef and Arpels. Uh, you also did Corcoran Group, Fox News, Metropolitan Presidents Organization, Oppenheimer Capital, Soros Fund Management, Stark Carpet. I mean, these scales were huge. Yeah, we had a lot of corporate clients, and 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 I'll get into um, that in a minute as far as what what we tried to do um, a little differently with the corporate clients, but we did. That was, you know, that was part of what Gus Ober had. He, I was able to expand on that. I mean, he already had an amazing base, and then I was able to expand on that. And then I also did things that he had never done before. For instance, I said, well, you know, can I start doing some weddings? Because at that point, my friends were all starting to get married. And you know what was interesting? I mean, maybe there were a few wedding planners around, but not very many. And so my friends said, oh, well, could you, if you plan all these parties, why can't you plan our wedding? And I said, you know what? You're right. So I started planning all these weddings as well. And, you know, some of some of them were, which we'll talk about. I know we talked a little bit, but we'll go into, you know, weddings that were destination, that were really far away, that were these really monumental, you know, five-day extravaganzas. So that, it was a period and a time where people, I think people still do great weddings all over the place, but that was the beginning of me doing all those things. Whether so that's what sets you apart from everybody else, because you had your database, you had your PR, then you expanded it. So what made you set you apart from everybody else? Because of your imagination is my Well, take. I you know, also I think that at that right at that time too, I was very much wanting to do things a little differently. So if it was a, you know, corporate event, we wanted to just not have it be come in and have a drink and leave. So how could we make that corporate event really stand out and put a smile on somebody's face and make it very different? And I, there were many ways to do that. It would be, you know, different entertainment, not just a band. You know, for instance, um, we talked about the Cheryl Wagner opening. Oh, that which, was magnificent. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. You're going to love this. So that was, that was an interesting challenge because here's a um, showroom, a big showroom that's opening up in New York that's bathroom fixtures. Ah. You know, they do like the fancy faucets and the sinks and the bathtubs and, and the showers. And, and gold and all yeah. that. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking, well, how can we, how can we, first of all, who wants to go to a bathroom uh, showroom opening? I, this is, sounds a little bizarre. I don't know how I'm going to get anyone to go to this. And so what I did was I took... For instance, I have this company that did the most amazing entertainment and costumes. So, for instance, when you first walked in, there was a mermaid just decked. I mean, I have the pictures from head to toe in a mermaid outfit just, you know, draped in the bathtub. And she was blowing bubbles as the guests walked in. I mean, a beautiful girl, obviously a model. But, you know, we had the whole mermaid outfit made and the shells over her breasts. And, oh, I mean, the beautiful God. shells as her necklace. And, I mean, God, the outfit was incredible. And the mermaid wig. I mean, it was, you know, like right out of some fantasy land and everybody walked in and even people on the street were just gawking as people you know were coming into the party because they're like what the hell is going on there's this beautiful bathtub and the mermaids hanging out of it and so then you went downstairs and it just you know it it started to i had obviously people helping me collaborating on what we were going to do but thank god the client went for it so we had sort of these they had shower stalls and so we put uh steam in the shower stalls and then we had these hunky guys that looked like they were they had no clothes on because well you couldn't see the middle section but the top part was just their feet and the and then you could see from you know like mid you know 
midsection up, they're hunky muscles, and you could see them washing and pretending like they're washing their hair. And then I had another girl in a bathtub that she had looked like Marie Antoinette, and she had all these bubbles, and she was drinking champagne. And then I had all these girls in like lingerie outfits with their pretty little slippers. And so oh people my. were just aghast. I mean, they're and I had eye candy for both men and women, so everybody was happy, and it, it was a huge success. I got in all these magazines, and I mean, it was just crazy, but it worked. So I think that having things at parties to excite and engage, you know, whether it's, you know, kind of that Cirque du Soleil entertainment where one party we had, you know, people hanging from the ceiling, but it's all, you've got to make it exciting and fun for people and add some humor to it. It just, to me, to go in and just have a drink, okay, yeah, it's fun to see some people, whatever, to a regular old store party, but it's not really, it's not. How in the world did you get all these people to come? I mean, that's just extraordinary because if somebody had sent me an invitation to look at some bathroom fixtures, I would have tossed it, but because it was you. Well, and that's a good point because, you know, you always have to remember that from the very beginning you have to engage. So that might be that the save the date is something that you open up or the invitation is something you open up. I mean, I can show you I have saved some of the save the dates and the invitations that we've done over the years. I mean, they are mind-boggling beautiful or exciting or funny. You know, um, I remember one that I received recently in the last few years, and we're going to talk about him in a minute, Bronson Van White, but that was just an amazing invitation. You opened it up, and it was the size of a poster. But, you know, you have to grab them from the beginning, you know. But, you know, these parties, whether it was drag queens or, you know, they just weren't cookie cutter. They were over the top, and they weren't pretentious. And, you know, it didn't have to be... You know, it didn't have to be always such a big deal. It could be just the fact that you'd walk in and you got a specialty drink back then or, you know, somebody would come out. We had a gospel choir once at a store and, I mean, a gospel choir. Everybody was dancing and clapping and just something to make it special, just something that people will remember it and go away with a smile. And that's all I try to do is just get it so that people but go... But you are kind of... so special because nobody thinks about it. Now, people that, that influenced you was also Philippe. Baloo, is that his name? Ba- um, Philip Balloon. And, you know, he also, he was an amazing, he came from a background of acting and set design. So I think Bronson did too, who's another person I'm going to talk about. But Philip Balloon was, he was just one of those guys that he, he came from a background of theater, yeah. set design, Wonderful. and and entertainment. So, you know, he infused all that into parties. So, you know, he would always say, for instance, a space should never be too big. You should always, if you really want a good party, the space should be too small because the energy will happen. If you have a party where the room's too big and there are not enough people, it's not going to take off. So you always want a space to feel smaller. And, you know, I also, Philip loved, I mean, we were really into serving great food. You know, he was always with the next greatest caterer. I mean, in those days, Glorious Food, remember, was very popular. And I think they were also wonderful at people's homes because they... They really explained to hosts, you know, I remember when Bill Blass, remember the recipe would be meatloaf and mashed potatoes and green beans. You know, these people would have these fabulous dinners and the food was just homey. And so it made people feel at home. And so in those days, Philip, you know, it was always who's the new caterer, who's a great caterer, whether it would be glorious food at somebody's home or, you know, we would use glorious food at parties and how was the service going to be. 
and how does the service stand out? So there were all those different facets, I think, that, you know, were important when giving a party, you know, that Philip really, he was an amazing set designer, but he, he would create these environments that would just transport you. I mean, you would walk into a tent and it wasn't a tent. I mean, for one party, he you walked in and it was in the middle of winter and the tent was literally damask from from ceiling to floor and it was the middle of winter so they all had to be heated and then he had the hosts with all these different paintings of them going down the wall in different centuries because it was a millennium party for the for the new years and you know then you walked through this tunnel of water to get to the next tent i mean set designers can do a lot for parties they really can they can take any room and make it something that you just can't even you've just been transported creativity is so amazing now what about anti-gravity well, they, he was also very into the Cirque du Soleil type of entertainment at parties so that these guys would come in and whether they would, you know, do something from hanging from the ceiling and, you know, they'd come out of cocoons and do all these acrobats in the air. Now we've seen all that kind of thing, but back then... That was it was new. You just, it was so new. People were and having it at a party and they'd do all these great acrobatic things on the floor, you know, and we'd, t- we'd do the lighting so that it was just beautiful to it. And, you know, you'd create lighting that went with it and then you'd create music that went with it. I mean, some of these parties even had, we had original scores, music made to accompany the entertainment that we were doing. I mean, I, we've done, we did spectacular fireworks displays where the music was coordinated with the fireworks um, or you'd have entertainment and we'd have to create the lighting a lighting designer would have to create the lighting around and then you know obviously this still happens all the time but and then you would create original scores to go around the entertainment as well so this is this, rather complex totally complex totally complex I mean you know the lighting alone is you know just unto itself a huge thing how do you light all these things I mean the the equipment for the lighting alone and then the entertainers the kind of inter- you know well you know when you have these headliners you know if you have Donna Summer come and perform I mean God, you know, she's not with us anymore. I loved her. But, you know, her rider was like 50 pages long. My God. I mean, it was just, you had to hire somebody just to do that. Um, but, yeah, th- those were a lot of the things that we, we do. But back then, your press was huge. Your coverage, your fir- firm's work has appeared in Avenue Magazine, which we love, Brides, In Style, New York Times, New York Social Diary, Quest, Washington Post, Women's Wear Daily, and TV outlets. I mean, this was, you were on the cusp of something that is now still happening, but nobody had ever done that before. That's what, no, I've never heard of this before. I mean, <sighs> what are you talking about? Original score with the, with fireworks. That's very unusual back then. Yeah. It, well, I, I, you know, we did it a lot. And... We did it a lot, and I was lucky, obviously, because I lived in New York, and I did one or two of these. I did it well. You know, I got the, the seating down perfectly. I got the service down perfectly. You know, I, I I don't like people being served, you know, not at the same time at a table, so all the service had to go down at, a, at the, you know, all the food has to go down perfectly at the same time. Everything had to be exact. The place cards, you know, the seating, you know, the lost and found, you know, we were talking about that. But I think I was lucky. I got it right. I, I was able to, there was a big referral source back then. People were giving big parties and they trusted me and so it just it snowballed 
And I was lucky at the sense that I got these great clients and was able to do these great things. And I was lucky because I got to work with some of the masters who I learned from. So I obviously didn't pick all this up, you know, just I was taught it by the people I worked with. I think you were taught since you were eight years old, young lady. Uh, Now tell me, you're doing something very amazing, something called the uh, Oxford Philharmonic. Well, that's coming up. That's the Oxford Philharmonic Orchestra, which is based, obviously, in London, in England, um, and it's on the campus of Oxford. And they are, I think, ranked fifth in the world, the Oxford Philharmonic. And they have never been to New York to perform. And so we're bringing over um, some key members of the Oxford Philharmonic and uh, Maxine Vangerov, who I think is one of the best, noted as one of the best violinists, one of the top violinists in the world right now. And they're going to perform here in New York, a, a small group of them at the Metropolitan Club. And we have formed the American Friends of the Oxford Philharmonic to raise money to bring the entire Philharmonic to um, the United States to perform hopefully in 2018 and maybe in a very cool setting, maybe the near, you know, the um, Park Avenue Armory because the Park Avenue Armory does these very, you know, just out of the box events, which of course I adore. And so they have an amazing program of out of the box events that they do every year. So we thought it would be wonderful to maybe you know, get the Oxford Philharmonic here and do something fabulous in 2018. So this is hopefully the beginning of something big. So um, tell me about the nervous hosts, because that's really another problem that you have to incur, right? Yeah, I think with weddings especially, weddings and private parties, obviously, um, people are, I've obviously, you know, over the years I've learned that people just don't, it's not their thing to entertain, and it really does make them extremely nervous. It freaks them out. And I I also think we, you know, weddings are difficult because you have all sorts of different personalities. I mean, you know, the, the bride and the mother may not be getting along or the, the bride's parents and the groom's parents don't get along or, you know, there's all sorts of different dynamics, all sorts, as we well know, we all know. And it's, it's not only just giving a wedding or helping these people plan the wedding, you know, whether it's a castle in Ireland or, you know, the Kluge wedding in Charlottesville, Virginia, where we have private planes bring everybody down. But it's it's dealing with the personalities and making sure that everybody's okay and make, you know, trying to make everybody happy. And the different personalities, you've got a lot of different situations coming at you um, in those six to eight months or year of planning. And so, that you know, that's a whole other element that I think I've just grown to learn how to deal with. And, and, so now and, you're a psychiatrist. Yeah, books. exactly. I am. And But I, you know what? I, I actually find it a challenge now. And I think because I am that much older in my late 20s, 30s, I wasn't as equipped emotionally and maturely to know as well how to deal with those situations as well. And now it's just, it just comes so naturally to me. And I, I'm actually, you know, it's just easy. And I, and I take great pride. I think one of the things I really do pat myself on the back, I mean, yeah, you can do a great party and I can get it right. And I, and I can infuse it with all these fabulous things. And, and yeah, that's a great feeling. But I think even more is dealing with those different dynamics that happen with these people and, and making them happy. Cause at the end of the day, you, you want to make them, you want to make everybody happy. You want to make everybody happy. And so, so I've gotten really good at that. And I think those are skills I've learned 
over the years that you just you just get you know with age in a way you know can and, you move into my house because you sound so fabulous well, people people say that when <laughs> there's complete bedlam going on you know like maybe right before a party and you know the caterers are trying to get this and there's that going on and you know there's just it's just it's frenetic everywhere you know and 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 people look at me and they say how in god's name are you so calm how are you so calm? I've screamed and, at staff and, going, and what say, are you doing? Oh, no, this is just, you know, I this is the part I like, and it all comes together. And by the way, if I were nervous, I'd be in the wrong business. Because, you know, it's my, it is my duty, and it should be me that's the one that's calming everybody down. You know, I've got to calm the, the mother of the bride before she walks down the aisle. Oh. You know, they're really nervous before they walk down the aisle. So it's also really, for me, it's fun to be right there and, you know, get them ready to walk down the aisle and get them calm and happy and smile with them and just you know get that jitteriness away you know try to push it away for everybody and get make everybody happy tell me about this incredible wedding that you did in this castle in ireland Oh, that was a great wedding, actually. Oh, my Lord. How many people did you have to ferry over there? Well, you know, there were hundreds of people that came for, for that wedding. And I remember when I first went over to Ireland, and it was at this beautiful castle outside of Dublin, Luttrellstown Castle. And I'll never forget, because the caterer, when, he, when I went for the tasting, he had... Ritz crackers with like cheese whiz on top ew, and I said ew. oh no no I said we can't have anything like that we can't have that and he took the Ritz cracker and he just threw it over his shoulder and I said well I guess Polly doesn't want a cracker <laughs> oh my goodness so what happened oh, so we straightened him out so right? I had to straighten him out and that was hard and we had all this fabulous entertainment we had the river dancers you know all those irish dancing yes, and, and amy rivard was in the show and we had um fireworks because it was over fourth of july weekend and we had uh wonderful irish singers come because it was a whole weekend of festivities a whole weekend but you know you just can't plan everything i mean i'll never forget at one point we're all out on this beautiful beautiful lawn having cocktails and somebody said polly what's that smell and i said well it does smell kind of weird and, and it was just this it was sort of a beautiful breeze and everybody's having cocktails and we're about to go into the tent and I thought what the hell it's just it was a really strong smell and then somebody I went into the the, the castle and I asked somebody I said what do you think that is and I said oh they're farming like two fields over and they must have just put Fertilize. on fertilizer <sighs> so you know you just you never know things happen no. so I said oh my god that is really pungent smell <laughs> So what'd you do? So, get some airspray? Yeah, no, I mean, no, oh. I mean, you know, but th we went in. We eat. went into the tent, but you know, things do happen. Things do happen that sometimes are out of your control, and sometimes you can handle them. Now, I'm, I could not handle the fertilizer story, but a lot of them I have been able to handle, you know, and take care of ahead Gosh. of time. But that was a beautiful wedding, and hundreds of people came, and I had to straighten out the caterer, and I got my florist. You know, I told you the late Philip Balloon to come over, and and the father of the bride did not want to spend a lot. Of money on flowers but i ended up telling him he had to because he had all these fancy people coming and he loved every minute of it in the end with all the beautiful flowers he was so happy so again that was a story where you know it was a win-win and we did bring in a florist from new york and the designer philip wow and we needed to we needed to for all those people that he was having i said i don't want to be embarrassed and neither do you so we really have to make this fabulous Good for you. So it, it ended up that it was fine in the end. Okay, you did another wonderful one for Fox News, which is 
just beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know that we talked about the Cheryl Wagner, the bathroom showroom. Oh, I'm just. I, I wish I'd been there. And then the other. I would have been in the bathtub. Yeah, I know exactly. I think people t- did end up in the bathtub with some ah. of those girls for sure. But you know, every you know every party is a different challenge. Of course. Which is wonderful because every party there's usually somebody else you're working with. That's a new challenge. It's a new set of what are we going to do? And the Fox Business News Network, which took place at the Metropolitan. Um, museum was all about branding you know how could we brand them and they wanted it they wanted Fox everywhere from the minute you walked into throughout the entire evening so you know you saw that beautiful picture of the Fox on that huge staircase when you walked into the Metropolitan and that was all votives like thousands and thousands of votives we put on those stairs I mean how beautiful was that and then you walk around the corner it said Fox It it said Fox spelled out Oh. And every votive candle was like literally measured like an inch apart from one another to yeah. make that effect, you know? It looked like lighting. It was just, yeah, it looked like lighting. Meanwhile, it was thousands of votives. Can you imagine how many votives that was? And then you walked around the corner and they created this huge wall of hedges. And then in it, they created the word fox going through the hedge. So you looked through to where the party was going to be in these massive letters of Fox. It was brilliant. So it was just literally the F, O, and X cut out of the hedges so you could like see through. Like a topiary. Through. Yeah. It was just fabulous. And Everywhere. Then, so we had, and then we had Fox, you know, on the cookies when you left. We had Fox on the big cookies with Fox, obviously. And then we had um, Fox logos all over the room. And then Fox, you know, cocktail napkins, Fox this, Fox that. It was just everywhere. Everywhere you looked, the word Fox. And we just had to think about how to do it in a beautiful way. Um, so, yeah, so that was another kind of, you know, branding where you would really do an incredible corporate branding event. They loved it. Yeah, that was that was really interesting as well. Spectacular, spectacular. Bravo. And don't we have more? Or we have... Oh, now we're dead parties. Oh, wait a sec. We've got the Kluge wedding, too. Well, the Kluge wedding was interesting, too. That was years ago, and that was in Charlottesville, Virginia. And we, that was the first time I ever dealt with private planes, big jets to take the guests. So they had, um, and you know, we, we had talked about before, um, save the dates and invitations, you and I, and oh my God, the save the dates and the invitations for this were, I mean, I wish we were on, you know, camera or sometime I'll have to take some pictures and put them on Instagram, but they were just beautiful, all hand done. And, uh, they hired this famous, um, graphic designer from London to design and each each invitation um, for the wedding was a hand-painted painting that was numbered in the back attached to the invitation. Oh, yeah, it was just, it was unbelievable. A painting of what? It was a painting of the, the farm, the, the Kluge farm in Charlottesville, wow. Morven. Yeah, and they did a beautiful, beautiful, just one after. And we had tents, all different tents there. The, John Kluge has a museum there. And so one of the evenings was a circular tent around the museum that was just spectacular. And then we had another day of the wedding. We did this big tent where we had just literally stuffed the ceiling of the tent with um, lilacs and wisteria. Oh, oh it was just, favorite. and you walked in, oh yeah. And Smells the so whole good. ceiling of the tent was just, all it was was lilac and wisteria. You just felt like you were under the uh, the biggest lilac and wisteria tree of your life. Oh, and wisteria. all the roses on the table were those purple ro- roses. I think they're called sterling roses and purple table. I mean, it was just, oh, oh. yeah. And then all, the tent just overlooked all the mountains. Yeah. 
it was just beautiful. So how many people did you ferry on these private planes? I think it was about, you know, 100 on each plane at least. My Lord. Yeah. And then they all stayed at different inns all over Charlottesville. And then we had them all transported to all the different parties. Yeah. It was just... And every party had a different invitation, a beautiful, beautiful invitation. So it was a four-day event. It was four-day event. So it was the Irish, the Ireland wedding as well. Every lot, day you had to do a, lo- a breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, sometimes they're breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Sometimes, you know, it's not breakfast. Sometimes it's just lunch brunch. and dinner. You know, the bridesmaids have a lunch. The grooms have a dinner. And that, you know, that goes with any destination wedding. I mean, when you do these destination weddings, whether it's St. Bart's or, you know, Casa de Campo or... Italy, you know, if people are coming, as you know, from all over, then you have to entertain them for three or four days, which means five or six different events that you're doing. You know, some of them more casual, it could be a barbecue, um, you know, on the beach, and then the next night might be something a little more formal, and then you have the wedding, and then you've got the brunch. You remember how, I mean, it's just a lot. It is a lot. Oh my God, this is like unbelievable. So then we had the Fox News, the Kluge wedding, I, I just, I can't, I'm just, and then you've done non-profit for the American Cancer Society, Boys Club of New York, Girls Club of Palm Beach, Guggenheim Museum, Hope for Depression Research Foundation, Society of Memorial Sloan Kettering, National Audubon Society, Wilsonian Museum. You've worked with high-profile individuals like Tommy and Dee Hilfiger, Samantha Kluge, and Nelson Doubleday. Wow. I know, it's been fun. It's really been fun. And it's nice to talk about it because I, I don't really talk about it that much. But, yeah, we, we I've done a lot. I have done a lot. And we also do kids' parties. That was another thing. We did a really fun children's party um, this June, a beautiful lawn in Greenwich. And we did a great theme where we had the carnival bouncy house and we had the pizza truck come and, you know, the face painters. You know, big, big fun and fun for adults, too. Of course, there was a bar for the adults so they could have fun, too. And so I love doing kids parties, bar and bar mitzvahs. I adore doing bar and bar mitzvahs. Those are great. Monique did a wonderful party with her kids years ago. And I happen to have been in Locust Valley at the time. So I took my son there, and she made everybody sit down on Santa's lap, and she gave you the picture of your son on Santa's lap in a loose sight frame. I kept it in my apartment. I have no idea why. 20 years later, it's still there. And I keep looking going, oh my goodness, she's now one of my dearest friends. And that was done well, years and years yeah, ago. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's the, also. You know, it's the takeaway of what you remember. Whether you know, I get a bride and groom. I did a wedding once where they did the tango as their first dance, and, and everybody just. You know, you have to infuse great. And th- th- there are those things that you remember. It could be, for instance, I did a wedding recently where the bride just loved donuts and so when everybody left we gave them a little bag and we gave them a beautiful little canister that was monogrammed with fresh coffee you know fresh ground coffee in it and um, you know designer donuts so that everybody had coffee and donuts when they left the wedding and you know if you were starving you know that was like not a you know you didn't put on a full-on breakfast you know at two in the morning but you got your coffee and donuts and you know I just think these little things that you can put into parties you know whether I say it's the first dance at a wedding or something you do that's really fun it's those details it's that it's the creativity and the details now you know i always say for instance you've got to have more car parkers why do people say why do you need more car parkers well because if people are standing in line at the end of a party of the most fabulous party in, in the world and you don't have enough car parkers and they're waiting for their car 
they they get annoyed and they that's they go oh god we waited for our car for 15 minutes it was such you know you don't want some great party for them to remember the last thing was they had to wait for their car so it's all these little things that come into play you know you don't want the cocktail hour to be too long you might not have dancing in the same room you do with dinner I mean I love mixing it up so Bronson I was telling you about Bronson Van Wyck and Wyck and Van Wyck who I work with now who's sort of my new Philip Balloon you know I loved working with Philip and I thought well how how are you ever going to replace Philip Balloon he was a set designer he was the most creative guy I'd ever worked with in my life you know he understood parties he understood entertainment there's going to never be anybody like him well Bronson Johnson, Van Wyck, Van Wyck and Van Wyck, who I've worked with for years now since Philip's been gone. I mean, mind-blowing. I mean, what they create, I mean, I remember when he did this party at the Breakers for me, and it was only for 150 people, and he said, we're going to do it at the ballroom at the Breakers. And I said, but Bronson, it seats 700, 800 people. How are we going to, we can't possibly. He goes, oh, yes, we are. We're going to create a room within a room. And I said, oh, it was genius. And you walked into the breakers and you had cocktails and then you walked into this. He he put a tent in the ballroom that you walked ah. into. I mean, it was just he and he's just and he loves entertainment. I mean, his own party, you walked in, it was like Bowel of the Beasts and you walked in and there were tigers and wow. cages. And then you walked down and I mean, it was just the most amazing party he had the Madonna dancers. I mean, he. He knows how to do it. and But there are not a lot of people in this world that know how to do these things. They're just not. There's probably five in the world, you know, like Isn't Bronson. They're not. And I think Bronson's really the best in the world, honestly, right now. I do. So, you know, for me to be asked to work with them or for me to have honor. a budget to, to ask him to work with me, it's just it's just magic. It's magic. Because if you have a budget and the client loves what, you know, you create and, and goes along with your suggestions and is a collaborator, I mean, my God, you can just you can really go over the moon you can go over the moon and that's really fun to do of course it's fun to do and you want people you know people can walk away and say oh my god they spent so much money but you know you don't want them to say that you want them to go away and say wow that was fun that was really fun and so that's that's what it's all about just 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 doing but you that. also do two people five people small weekends i mean oh yeah i, I mean oh, your yeah. variety of 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 your choices and of your and of what you do is so amazing. I mean, we it sounds almost like it's prohibitive what you're doing, but well, you also, and then there's all the millions of parties in between that are, as you said, correct. the twenty people, the thirty people. You know, helping plan a menu for somebody that you know, might need a chef and they're just going to have a cocktail party for 30 people or they're just going to have 20 for dinner. Um, then they, they or want help. a little help. getaway weekend for, for an anniversary. getaway weekend. Exactly. And that's really doing, that's a kind, we're talking about the really fun things for everybody to hear well, today. Well, I but, mean, they're sensational. But, but all, the little, we do all the little things day in and day out. You and do. Which I actually, as I said, I love food. I love wine. I love place settings. I love decor. So How do you stay things, so slim and beautiful? I, 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 I just probably keeps running around because I do eat a lot, you and I, I, go, I love tastings. There's nothing more than I love than a you know twelve and you're, course tasting. You've been the same thin person since you were born. You haven't put on one pound. And I eat and I cook. I love cooking. I love. You have no love, stove. Love you cooking. can't cook. No, I, I. Well, they were laughing because the gas has been turned off in my building in New York, and I had a oh, dinner that's party. Lovely. I, I know. I had a dinner party this summer, and somebody said, "Well, how in God's name did you cook?" And I.
And I said, I didn't. I just kind of improvised, you know, with like one of those like trailer park kind of like little burner things and a toaster oven. They're like, but you made this whole dinner with that? And I said, well, it's summer. Yeah. I mean, you can do a lot of things in the summer where you don't. You're, you know, you're so not. clever. But I do. I love to cook. I love cooking. It's kind of relaxes me in a way. And I love looking at recipes. And, and um, I, yeah, I think, you know, my mother had great recipes. And, you know, in those, my grandmother was an amazing cook. We used to go to her house and she was a great cook too. So I just think, and my sister's a great cook. So I don't know. We all just have it in us, I guess, the cooking thing. Because I, I love cooking. And, you know, a lot of people don't like to cook. And they're I used scared to cook of it. a lot. Now I don't because I don't really particularly eat that much. But now I want to just do this Deb parties because you are now really getting involved in these. Deb parties are still coming back. And well, I they, hope they do. I think they are, but you've got an idea that's absolutely hot off the press. And I want to hear it. Well, it was funny. I was with a, a few uh, women back a few weeks ago at a party, and they were talking about the fact that their daughters were coming out at the infirmaries. And I said, well, are you going to have a a big party for your daughter? And they looked at me like, what? <laughs> and I said, no, in the old days, we used to have these big uh, private parties. You know, you'd get out, you'd, you know, come out at the infirmaries, but you would also have your own Deb party. And I, I was referring right. to what I used to go to. So I said, well, why don't we take maybe three girls or four girls in New York City that are coming out this year, and they can join forces and have a big party all together and we can do it in a contemporary way but also bring back some of the old-fashioned elements that we used to love like you know the big breakfast and things like that so hopefully we could do something and maybe get a great dj and have great dancing and you know maybe not do a band but have a fabulous dj and, and we'll serve breakfast lighting. so they don't get all drunk. And, and, and we'll serve breakfast, exactly. And we'll serve breakfast. It gets kind of tricky these days because... It is. In the old days, when you were debutante, it was legal to drink. Now oh. it's not. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so it's tricky. Uh-huh. So we have to... Fi- we can't but tell nobody. There, <laughs> but, let me, but as I say, never say no. We could figure out something that, you know, to make it all work where, you know, the kids aren't getting in trouble and the parents aren't getting, you know, where we could actually do a party. I mean, I actually, when I go to parties now, I love mock cocktails, which are fake cocktails, but they're the most delicious with fresh organic juices. I mean, uh, Olivier Chang Catering and Bite Catering, which are my two favorite caterers, you know, of the moment, do the most, um, they, have the, they have the best mixologists. I mean, wow. those cocktails without alcohol even are just so delicious. So I delicious. I wanted cocktails that have fire to them and... You're supposed to use dry ice, but it's very dangerous. And you could light up the dry ice and make a flame come out of it. And you could actually do the whole floor like that, but it, it's very... Oh, yeah, you can do... We used to do floors like that. It's, but it doesn't it ruin sp- the floor? I, You know what? They're machines that do it. They're, they're fog machines. Fog and they machines. still do them. We do them at parties, and they're great. They're very sexy, fun. They can create... Yeah, you, you're, you're you know, sort of floating around like oh, in a it's cloud. it's wonderful. I love them. Now they can. They also shoot them from all different directions. Like, they can shoot confetti, you know, um, oh. confetti drops. I love confetti drops at parties. I think those are really fun, where all the confetti comes down Little on people. Little hearts can come out. Oh, tons of... Fig- confetti coming down in different types of the night who cares if you're on a dance floor do a confetti drop for god's sake i mean why not what it's so much idea. fun now the kids would like that for the dead party thank you i'm going to put that on the list That's a great and they'd idea. like the fog machines it's all that fun it's silly things that it just makes it more fun. i wanted to dry since caesar told me it wasn't a good idea because you could actually get burnt it's actually... no it's fog machines it's i know just no, 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 no. But there is drinks that you can make with dry ice that oh, actually right. smoke up and right. the drinks themselves are sort of 
fluffing up. Well, with now the, you have those ice cubes that you can turn on and they blink. Yeah, 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 can, yeah, yeah. But that those. doesn't do the the steam and all that. No. I mean, but we have that. That's that's been done there. Now, no. what do you do with all the drunk people when you're going to these weddings, and how do you handle these? Crazy, well, you know, do you I hand mean, out sick bags well, like you do I mean, on airplanes? Yeah, I. It, it's it, it, every situation is different, right? Ah. I mean, you you can't even imagine the things that happen. I mean, you really can't. Lordy, lordy. So it's always good to have some, you know, security guards there, obviously that don't look like security guards that can help. It's always good to have, you know, we always have extra service on hand. You, the guests at any party you're, five things are always going to happen that were not expected five to twenty things right I mean it's just it's just the way it works so you always want to have enough of a team there that can handle a situation gracefully so that it's not noticeable and that something a situation gets handled quickly and and without much notice so you know people may leave behind their purse their glasses <laughs> their you know their their scarves their oh, this their that because they've had a few too many you know or i always have people standing by stairs i'm really conscious because one time yep. at a party i remember i saw somebody going down a flight of stairs you know it was leaving a party and they went out the front door and I thought oh my god they're going to literally land flat on their you know they were that bad so it's important to now I always position people at stairs so that if they see somebody leaving and we'll even warn them ahead of time like if we know somebody's about to hit the door and we know they're not in good shape we'll tell we'll tell the our person at the stairs so that he's aware that that person's about to come and so it's always we've well, got little mics right yes we have microphones and oh but, I got a little walkie talkie yes yes so you know you always need more staff than you think that are just there in case there's a problem because you never know what could happen it could be a big problem it could be a little problem but you want to make sure it's solved right away and gracefully and you saved me and I have a perfect example I had a few years ago an operation on my knee I'd done a triathlon and I torn my meniscus it happens to everybody and so I was on crutches during the summer and we were in Southampton and I went to this absolutely glorious party of course Done by Pollyone. Beautiful tent, beautiful everything. The whole thing was absolutely spectacular. And I'm dancing on the dance floor with my crutches, and I throw my hands up in the air, and this beautiful ring that I had borrowed. Because it was a fabulous band. A fabulous <laughs> band. I mean, the whole thing was so divine. And I throw my hand up in the air like, yahoo, and this ring that was given to me that must be very très cher, as they say, rather expensive, that I was lent I borrowed it, went flying off my hand, and went flying, I have no idea where. And I'm thinking, this is not my ring. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. What am I going to do? And I'm hobbling around, trying to figure out the trajectory of this thing. Oh, God. Which, of course, as people are dancing, it's being shuffled from one place to the other. And I said, Polly, Polly, I don't know what to do, but I just borrowed a very expensive ring. And it's floating around the dance floor. And I'm hysterical because I can't find it. And I can't start making a scene. Polly said, I've got it under control. And within a half an hour, this young lady, without blinking an eye, as I'm having palpitations going, I'm going to have to pay this person back. I don't have the money. What am I going to do? Found it for me. How you did, I'll never know. So I cannot thank you enough. And I, I mean, it was not a flutter. She said, 
it's okay. I've got it under control. Well, yeah, when somebody loses an earring oh, or something, Lord. It, it's important that we, it's all hands on deck, too, because you don't want somebody to, you know, and usually, as you said, it, hopefully at my parties, people are dancing and having a ball. I mean, whether yeah, it's to a DJ or a fan, <laughs> it better be a really good DJ at yeah, that. Right. So when things do start to go a little crazy. So, yeah, I mean, people do lose things and oh, you, you want to get them, you want to get it back. Yeah, and people are dancing and kicking your stuff around. It's like a football. You can't find it anymore. Yeah. Even if somebody loses, I must say, if people, if something happens, like they lose something or they forget something or, you know, I watch the smiles when people leave a party. It's, you know, if it's one of these ones we're talking about, most of them are, people just really leave. And because it's just that much different and you know we've sort of opened up the box you know the cookie cutter box and infused something completely different you know they are just they're they're having you know they've had a ball and they have a big smile on their face so and that's what you do you bring joy and happiness to people and you are my tall glass of champagne and you deliver and you deliver beautifully Polly with poise with elegance with talent with precision and I find that extraordinary. You can find Polly at Polly at Obernet.com. It's, it's Polly, P-O-L-L-Y at Oberonet.com. And our phone number is 212-876-6775. And we have obviously a website. We have an Instagram account, Oberone Events. And you can find us on Facebook. And we have Instagram, Facebook, a website. So, and thank you so much for having me, Misty. Really, it's been fun. And it's fun reliving all this with you. It, it really, really is. is, because I've been to some of these parties, and I just, it's sort of going down memory lane and going, why can't we do that now? It sounds like so much fun. I know, I know. Now I'm in the mood for a party. <laughs> me too, me too. Now I'm in the mood with a glass of champagne with some bubbles with you, Misty. Well, God bless you. And darling, for my guests, for my audience and listeners... Lead us not into temptation. We can find it ourselves. I wish peace in the world and for everyone. With all the terrible things that have been happening, I think it's very sad, and I wish peace and happiness. Please don't forget to try to be kind to one another. God bless. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>